I am Pam Partington, and this is my podcast, Never a Dull Friend. I've got a better podcast opening coming at you, but for sake of just getting it out there, this is it for now. So come sit down, be a fly on the wall, and listen to some of the cool conversations I have with my friends. Learn how to human a bit. So let's get to it. Hi, this is Pam Partington, and this is the first episode for Never a Dull Friend. I'm so excited to be actually doing this. I've talked about it forever, and I'm finally doing it. My first guest is someone that there wasn't a question that I was going to have them as my first guest because they were my first friend I ever had. Uh, it is my sister, Anna. Anna, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it is uh, a pleasure. And <laughs> I actually wanted to, uh, I, I, this is a question I decided I was going to ask uh, for everyone. So we'll see how it, how it lays. Um, do you remember meeting me? <laughs> I remember you being there. <laughs> so just just to, fill, just to fill everyone in, Anna and I are 14 months apart. Is that about right? So Anna was born on March 8th, 1984, and I'm May 27th, 1985. I was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> or as mom says, you were a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, do you, I mean, I don't remember ever, you know, I can't. I don't know. I I don't remember meeting you, but I remember, I feel like the only thing I really remember are like, like things, like the first memory I probably have is like playing in the yard in the summertime. Yeah. That, I mean, we, I remember a lot of that or playing in the playroom in the porch. Yeah. Like that um, as early memories, but I remember it was more of a feeling than a memory, just being very young and just being aware that there was another person there and not understanding what they were, why they were, why they were so loud all the time. That was very disruptive to other people and they didn't care and they were loud anyway because babies are like that. <laughs> I also had colic. <laughs> babies and just not, you know, as a child, not understanding like, why is she so loud? Why are you giving this thing all this attention? You know, and just being aware there was another presence there that was <laughs> very annoying. I know I, I ruined Anna's hopes and dreams of being an only child, but I like to think Anna <laughs> would have been an awful only child. Like I made you, my, me, Mike and I, we have a younger brother. We, we improved your life and not making you an annoying only child. That's very true. It was a, a big shock. I would say it was more of a shock and adjustment just to realize like, oh, there's another person here that's demanding mom and dad's attention and <laughs> not understanding why or what that was and just being like why is why is why is this here why is she here like what is this about I didn't order this I didn't ask for it like why why is this person in my space why are you in my bubble like I know there's our mom always tells us that uh, Anna one time I think I, I think she was walking and you hit me on the head you just came by and bonked me on the head yeah. <laughs> she's like what is this person so um <laughs> so I uh I was at the um 
just Bob's coffee shop. I don't know if I've taken you there. Um, it's my favorite like coffee bagel shop. And I, I go there oh. once a week. I usually try to go on a Saturday cause I enjoy it. And, um, there was a little girl in line. She just showed up and I was kind of like, she was wearing like an Elsa, like probably that from frozen, the mm-hmm. Elsa, like an Elsa nightgown probably. And then rain boots. And then she had a backpack and she like was behind this guy who I wasn't sure if it was her dad or not, but then he's like, nice, nice tattoos. She had like fake tattoos on her arm and it was clear that it was not her daughter and I was, or his daughter. And she was probably like seven or eight, six, seven, eight, somewhere around that age. And I was like, is this little girl at the coffee shop by herself? What's going on here? And all of a sudden I see it like a dad, her dad come up and she starts taking off her boots and putting on like, you know, like dress up. Um, You know how we had the, those like uh, Ruby slipper kind of jelly shoes like they have for little kids. It was like those, but like the frozen, they were like frozen branded. And then she <laughs> pulls out a green wig and, <laughs> and I'm just like, what's going on here? And she puts on her little slippers, puts on her green wig. And then I, her mom, the mom sh- shows up holding a, like a, I think the younger sibling and <laughs> the mom looks at me and she's like, she does this every Saturday. We come here every Saturday and she dresses <laughs> up and sits at the bar and pretends like she doesn't know us. <laughs> And I just thought we were not that, that was an amazing child. And she, and then the little girl comes up to me and she's like, do you like my hair? And I was like, yeah, I do. And she's like, it's a wig. (laughs) The fact that she sits at the bar and pretends that she doesn't know her parents was just a vibe. She's acting out her fantasies. (laughs) I I hope, I, I hope she, I just, I hope she goes places. (laughs) Yeah. Man, being a, but thinking about that though, like, so where I want to go with that is like the things you're like as a kid that like the things that don't shake you before you meet other children that make you question who you are and change, you start kind of going into that. It's just, that's a, it's a magical time. And I think, you know, as when we were growing up as sisters, we had so much fun as little kids, you know, definitely. like my, um, I'd say that like, the our friendship was really based upon a lot of play a lot of imagination being Mm -hmm. able to play a big yard and having that freedom but it was really nice I consider it very fortunate that you know I had a built-in best friend who Mm -hmm. wanted to play with me and you learn those socialization things so young but my friends who were only children like they we're at home alone. And I didn't really understand, you know, as a kid in elementary school, like, what do you do? You know, <laughs> you read a book? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, who do you play with? <laughs> like, yeah. It was just natural for me to have someone there that wanted to play dress up, that wanted to play little mermaid, that wanted to go outside and play tree fort. And yeah, you know, nice. It was really nice. It was. Yeah. And, and I will have to say, um, Anna was, you were, such a creative child at a young age. And I always tell people that I'm like, it's really funny. I ended up being in the creative field because I wouldn't have considered myself. Like I had my, my, my imagination on like the back burner because Anna was this like, just child that thought of things. And you're just like, and I didn't think about it at the time, but it was just like, you weren't like reading it or getting it from anywhere. It was just coming to your brain. Like we, uh, we played these, the most elaborate Barbie games that were probably considered a little inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, we did model them after soap operas that grandma watched every day in the summer when we were home. So that's, that's how Anna and I like modeling the adult behavior. <laughs> we uh, learned sex education through yeah. One Life to Live and All My Children. Or, or what we thought it was. Had a lot of like, as sisters, we played a lot. I think playing and I mean, I think some of my favorite times were when we played and even when we like went to our grandmother's house, which is probably a whole nother episode hanging with Jane, but we, we made, we made forts and, you know, it was, it was really fun. We played all these make-believe games and it was, I felt like we got, you know, that's always important for young children to learn what a bar is and how to pour ginger ale into a champagne glass. You know, these are things you learn early on. <laughs> I sit on a bar stool with your evening gloves on, you know, because we Our were grandma had the coolest. <laughs> she had these, those purses were really cool though. Yeah. Like, like she, she had a whole bunch of old purses that were like patent leather and yeah. they had buckles and clips and stuff and her old dresses we could wear and it was fun stuff. And then she'd get gloves from rummage sales, like evening gloves that women yeah. used to wear. And we'd dress up and do that. And we had cherry seven up and ginger ale. And we it was a the life. It was the yeah. life. A lot um, of imagination. And it was, and I think that that's really important. I hope, you know, I, I make these statements a lot of the times then I'm like, I don't have a child and I'm not a mother. So I don't know what these are like, but kids spend a lot of times on like iPads and stuff. And I'm just like, man, we had a lot of ability to just play and explore and be as creative as possible. And our parents were really, I will have to say like mom and dad were really big about us, like exploring that and not getting in the way of that, you know, Um, playing outside. That was, I mean, we also had a nice big yard and a safe area where we could be outside all afternoon and, but we weren't allowed to sit in the living room and watch Disney movies all day or yeah. white Christmas in July because we liked the dancing and the costumes, you know, but we could have so easily just sat there like other kids and, you know, been looking at a screen all day. And I understand that now they're being exposed to it more in school. They have to have tablets. So it is a change overall, a push in society with the new technology, but it honestly makes me very grateful that we didn't yeah. have that pressure that society wasn't making that a new movement that all kids need to know how to use a tablet at age three, you know, yeah. and limiting screen time and having all these um, blocks on it and checks. And, you know, we're now seeing young adults who have so much exposure to technology and so little exposure to socialization that they're now becoming addicted and we're now seeing rehab facilities for recovering from using your phone constantly. It's so, so wild it's to me. Like, talent. yeah, it's, it's so crazy <laughs> to me because then we're coming to this place where, um, and then we get into a pandemic, which made that even worse because oh, yeah. we had to rely on it. Yeah. Like, and then you have this push to go remote in everything you do and not saying that, you can't use technology responsibly, but when you're being exposed to it as a toddler and told like, this is how your life is going to be. And eventually you're going to be just on your computer working from home and you don't have that interaction. I think that's really, really detrimental and sad. And I'm very happy that 
I don't have that same relationship with technology and devices because I didn't grow up having that. You know, we yeah. played outside and that stuff didn't exist. I just, it drives me crazy that we as a society try to make that there's these quick fixes to everything. And if you just do this, it's like, you know, it, I think or it is detrimental. Yeah, it's instant gratification and you're training people very young to rely on that. Oh, there's an instant fix to this. Oh, there's an instant way to get what you want. Oh, you know, I, I press order now, buy now, and I have it overnight tomorrow. Like you're teaching people that it's not worth waiting for, that the work and the creativity aren't worth putting the time and effort into. And I think that's absolutely detrimental. And then you have these young adults who can't survive a semester at physical college on a university campus because they don't know how to live with other people. They don't know how to socialize. And there's been no value put on that because exactly. now everything is a device and there's no critical thinking. And critical yep. thinking is where problem solving comes in. And you need that in life. You need that to survive as a human being and to prosper. And if you don't have critical thinking skills because everything's available to you instantly online or on Google or wherever, that that makes a very sad future. Totally. I mean, so I um I think like it's play is so important. And I think that um it's it's interesting to see humans these days. I kind of think it it adds to people having social more social anxiety. Oh, increasingly so. And I mean, the pandemic didn't help with that to to go back to that that but that definitely didn't help, but people don't know how to interact with each other, pandemic or not. You're putting more emphasis on isolation whether you realize it or not. All of a sudden, you know, if you're just sitting in a room all day with a computer, you might be talking to your friends over it. You might be Zooming, you might be talking through a video game interface if you're, you know, a young boy or something like that or girl that likes to play video games. But it's not the same thing as sitting in a physical room with someone, exchanging that energy, exchanging those ideas. It's not the same thing. No, it's not. And I I think about, um, you know, if it's just like kind of coming back to us like being siblings, our relationship like coming from play and then like becoming young adults yeah. uh, and and then like something I was kind of thinking about is we got to experience having to experience being uncomfortable and growing together. And you can't, especially when you're living together as a, a young, you can't cancel each other. And it's too common these days to just decide I'm going to cancel this person. And certain times that is healthy, right? Like you and I have both had friendship breakups with external yeah. friends that were important because, you know, obviously something, when something is unhealthy, it's important to, you know, make, keep yourself healthy. But a lot of times when you're a young person and you don't have, and obviously our relationship wasn't as like, you know, I think any teenager is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like, you yeah. know, any teenager is an asshole. And I think when you start developing your own, I think so much about, that's also scary about not, um, about like being so much behind a screen and stuff is you start and you like, you develop your personality through experiences and technology only gets you so far. And I think like one thing is when you and I had our little 
you know, bubble as little kids, we like, you know, there's nothing interrupting that, you know, and then you start going to school. I start going to school. We start forming our own friendships. It changed our dynamic as sisters where like you kind of had your experience. I had mine and it started to kind of bump heads. And that's where I think, um, and I will let everyone know we were, it was pretty it was uncomfortable. I'm not going to like over dramatize it, but it was an uncomfortable time for both of us. It was, I was starting to be the younger sister that was challenging my sister and Anna was, and there was projections we were having from our own experiences in school. And you project that on, and I, do you want to kind of talk about before we started recording? Um, you had a good bit about that. If you remember that at all. <laughs> well, I, I think that, how things land for people is different. Even two siblings, you have a different relationship with each parent and that lands differently for you. Your perception of that interaction is different. Your perception of the world around you, once you start going out in it is, could be completely different. And mine was very different from yours. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that had an impact on how I went home and interacted with my family because I was getting a very different interaction at school than what we'd previously had in our little bubble and having someone, you know, always want to go along with whatever idea I had and let's play a game and let's do this to then like, okay, that's not the way it is with everyone in the real world. And some people are going to like you and some people aren't. And you're also a child, so you don't necessarily have the um, brain development and Mm -hmm. skill development at that age to properly understand that on a critical level. And so you're, all, you know, is what you're perceiving is happening to you. And then you go home and you're not really, you know, understanding that the person you're interacting with, like your parents, they haven't changed. Nothing about that relationship has changed, but you're growing and changing and growth is uncomfortable, but yeah. So you're going to have different ideas. You're now challenging your parents. Like, Or you never did. And now you're coming home going, hey, so-and-so does this at his house or her house. Why don't we do this? You know, oh, I don't want to just do what you say. And yeah, then have you challenge me that way where you're like, hey, I don't want to do this. Hey, why does it have to be all your way? <laughs> or you know, or just leave you upstairs and never come back to play. Literally. Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, I don't want to play Barbies. Okay. But you just go, oh, I, I have to go to the bathroom. And then you'd be like downstairs watching TV with grandma for 40 minutes and like, my like I would sit up there like a dummy like oh she's gonna come back soon this is great you know and then I'd be like oh you're you're not coming back and then I'd go downstairs and you'd be sitting in front of the television holding your Barbie doll still but like no you're just like no I don't I you know one way or another you're like I don't want to do this anymore (laughs) and that was a new experience for me I was like what do you mean that's very insubordinate like what are you doing like you need to be punished well hit you over the head I'm gonna hit you over the head with Barbie doll yeah, like talk your man right get on the same page here this is you know I was I was a <laughs> it's it was such it was so, thinking about that was just so funny and it was it was like you know one of those you know I remember so many years if mom okay mom if you were if you listen to this it, this is your very very late Christmas present you're getting good children that are getting along what is that what she was <laughs> yeah but like no there was it was just like oh well you know I just want you to get along like we had no perception of what her experience of us arguing and bickering and not getting along was like. It yeah. was like, oh, all of a sudden I had these kids that got along and 
were great every day and now they're they're causing challenges and problems for me and it's conflicting and I don't like it and you know yeah. because what parent would that's hard yeah and I don't always think that maybe there was an understanding like we're we're children and we didn't know that like yeah we don't know and you just think okay my my mom's mad at me but really yeah. it's just like oh okay like this was a challenging situation to have two siblings very close in age having very different yeah. external experiences in the world and then not getting along yeah but we would be like oh okay you want to stay along but like do you understand like do you understand what she's doing do you understand why do you you know like I was like, no, no, we had no clue and we like, had, how to accomplish that. And we also had, I think, like how TV portrayed sibling relationship was was so off because we were just our our dynamic was different. I mean, you weren't we, we just, you know, from what um I guess full house comes to mind, we weren't like a Stephanie Tanner DJ. Yeah. situation or mich- you know we weren't we weren't that was just the one I could think of but like we had a very different like just our interests were different the people we hung out with were different so it was just very different and that's not that wasn't a bad thing it was just hard I think we were both like we were so close when we were little kids to like having like you're saying these external differences I think it also confused ourselves <laughs> like we're like you know because we would see the, we, you know, maybe people that were in our grades that represented more of our personalities as like, oh, they're mean. So it could be kind or they're this, this, you know, this way or something or, and kind of be like, wait, my siblings kind of like that. And then kind of, I don't know. It's just like your perceptions it, outside perceptions are just, it's, I feel like it ruins children. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm, it's enriching, but like, and it's, it's like you do need that to grow and to decide yeah. like you know I mean even like realizing for everyone I think that your life at home isn't the same as other people's lives at home yeah. or you know oh their parents do it this way well why doesn't my mom allow me to do this or you know you start challenging yourself or challenging your your beliefs and the way things are at your own home because you don't know any different that's how you were raised you live in that little bubble and you have your siblings and then all of a sudden you go out in the world and you see different people and their siblings and their relationships and you start to wonder like yeah why is mine like that or why you know why why does my sister do that oh well you know so-and-so's sibling does that too like maybe they're when they're they hate their sibling you know like maybe that's bad it's just like you're you're like forming your own opinion and you're just your brain's growing you're like trying to figure it's like you're trying on different clothes like you're trying trying to figure out what's your person what your person especially man those teen years are so hard because you're trying so much out your hormones are nuts you know dating is strange (laughs) I mean actually dating was fun there's no road map to it you're just kind of experiencing it your body's changing you have no control over it and your friends are changing too they're going through the same things mm-hmm. your siblings might be going you know we were so close in age we were both adolescent teenage girls at the same time which teenage girls suck they're I terrible know, I know mom so, was like right, mom was like in like a personal a very a personal hell <laughs> yeah and I'm, we didn't believe her when she you know would say like oh I went through this with my siblings or you know 
Like, I, I always feel like she related more to you being a middle child herself yeah. and for some projections that she may have made from her own perception growing up with older siblings. Yeah. And, you know, it, it just was very interesting how everybody has a different relationship. I mean, even people in the same house have different perception of how things are. And that does yeah. cover the way you look at your siblings and your parents and your family. Yeah. And it's, it, it gets, it gets so much more interesting as you get older because ours got so, um, you know, challenging for both of us. Like I, I, like I said, like, you're the only person I was ever extraordinarily mean to, like just probably said some of the most hurtful things. And I know I've apologized since like, I mean, you've, we both have had like some yeah, of the fights we've had were really bad. I mean, they I were say the same thing. Like I've never hurt anyone to that extent yeah as did you and it was you know we were each other's most vulnerable target yes and it was like okay you know I've got all of this mm -hmm. angst and I feel so ununderstood misunderstood by you so unacknowledged I think was a lot of it on both our sides and yeah. then you just go at it and you're just trying to figure it out but you don't really know how to do it you yeah know? and it's just like you're so <laughs> And what I want, and I think what was with one of the biggest things that both you and I did is we, I think that, and I recommend this to anyone who's having, because I understand if you have an unsafe relationship with your family and it's, and, and you had to distance yourself, this is by no way saying like, you should always keep family in your life. But the one thing that always happened was with me and you is you were always willing to talk it out. Even if we blocked each other on our phones we ended up always giving each other space to talk about it. And the big thing that we did that I think that is really, really important to acknowledge is we both took the time to care for ourselves first, meaning go to therapy, work on self-love. And then through that, I think it helped mend our relationship. Absolutely. I think until you can truly understand yourself and because a lot of that hurt was misplaced and yes. you're just it around with you just like oh I'm just mad at this person they hurt me but that may have not been the core cause of it and it may have stemmed from other childhood issues I mean yeah. I think everyone has their own baggage everyone has stuff and you either choose to deal with it or it chooses to deal with you but no one gets a free pass and no one gets to go around the hard part and the conflict and the actual going through those experiences reliving them as an adult and working through them moving through them but I think it's absolutely necessary and I think it does apply to everyone and anyone everyone's got stuff and everyone's got family stuff, even yeah. if your family isn't something that you're, you know, ever considered to be like a problem or quote unquote, a bad relationship. Everyone's got things. And I think until you work out your own stuff and learn mm -hmm. what self-love is and how to embrace yourself, you're not going to have luck in any of your other relationships. Oh, you're not bad, but you're not going to have as much success in connecting with other people. And I think I, I really appreciate how um, it's just been a beautiful, I, I really, I'm, I've been so happy with how our relationship has grown and it's just been really lovely. And you're one of the 
you know, I was, I remember telling my therapist, I'm like, my sister is the person I can talk to about pretty much anything. Like, I don't feel like I keep anything from her. And it's been beautiful to watch like you and me grow, you know, like kind of, you know, go off and then kind of go this way. (laughs) And like you have your, your separate growing experiences that I think every young person needs to go through where maybe you're not going to see eye to eye with anyone, especially your family, because you're changing so much and figuring out who you are. But I would say that you're the one person I can always truly be myself with and always feel loved and accepted. And now like you're the like number one person other than my husband, who I tell everything to, you know, and, and there are some things like even he doesn't know that I only share with you. And I consider that to be one of my greatest and most important relationships. And the second anything happens, you're the person I want to tell. You're the person I want to mm-hmm. contact. And I love that. That well, means I, a lot to me. Well, one thing that I had, and I don't, I haven't actually said this to you. So this is, ugh, I mean, it's a public <laughs> statement now, but <laughs> the biggest thing I had was I, um, I always struggled with the, um, so codependency of being independent. Mm-hmm. And we all know, like my very first, well, not everybody knows. I don't even know if you know this, but my <laughs> very first statement was like by myself. I was always a hyper-independent child and it had to do with my, again, like my, I don't, I, I wanted to feel like I could do everything myself. And the biggest thing that I learned in the past six to eight months was I need to let my sister, my older sister be my older sister. Like I need to let her, cause I never let you do that. Like I, I just kind of like, I needed to like, let you do that. And <laughs> it's been interesting to like, let myself surrender to that because I'm just like, I trust you because yeah. and I think for the longest time, you know, based on our history, I didn't trust that for some reason. And I just was like, you need to like, like there's, there's a voice inside of me. It was like, I need to like, let her be my older sister. Like let her like, cause all you've ever, like all you've, you've been that person. that's like, I'm here, I'm here. And like, I kind of like not acknowledge it or sort of just like take it at face value, but I'm like, she's here for me. She wants to be there for me. She wants to help me. And like, I, I should let her help me. <laughs> Like I should let her, like she, that's all, that's like what she wants and not because to satisfy what you want, but like, just to like, sometimes I think it's all too common when you have a sibling, it's, it's this misunderstood thing where you're so like, it's almost like you're, you're self-sabotaging and really that's like it, it, when you kind of lean into something and be like, what if I just do it this way? And I've noticed a massive switch in our relationship since I internally chose to like, just release that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I would say very much um, my side of things. It was for so long, our relationship was not a safe place for either one of us. And so it was very scary to be that vulnerable. And so there were a lot of times I had a wall up or I didn't let you fully in. And I had to come to my own realization of the same thing. Like, she wants to be here. She's not going anywhere. It is okay. This is safe. You know, it was realizing, oh, okay, you accept me. Yeah. You accept me just as I am and you love me just as I am. And this is safe. This is okay. 
and also surrendering that on my part. And that's been an amazing thing. And it was scary, you know, being that vulnerable, especially with someone who has hurt you, you know, Mm -hmm. for each of us. But I think it's been the most rewarding thing too. Yeah. So people out here, if you've had a sibling that you are, you know, wanting to work on a relationship, I think the best advice that both of us can give you is work on yourself first and don't have expectations on how you want the relationship to go because come in with love and work on yourself first. And if it's still, and obviously it has to be a safe place, like Anna and I both have done an incredibly massive amount of work and it, and the one thing I think is one of my favorite things that we practice is we ask ahead of time in a text, um, if like when they're like, before we're going to have a conversation, cause our conversations tend to be fairly long. We don't live in the same state. So we have to, we, it's, you, you know, you also making time for that is yeah. we'll be like, Hey, do you have the mental capacity to have like a, like a, like a more, like a, like a heavy conversation and yeah. asking for that consent creates a safe space. I think. I agree. And it also shows like, oh, I want that time with you. I want that relationship. I'm going to clear space. Yeah. And you have a spot here. And I think that's important. And it it does create that. It's also, I think, knowing that you were consistent about reaching out to me and that you always, you know, would say, hey, I saw this. I thought of you or, you know, and it was (laughs) like, oh, you see me. Yeah. Well, cause I, for the longest time, uh, you know, I was not, I was so dismissive of you and, and it was really not nice. Like I was just like, you know, it was, I mean, obviously it comes again with having anger in other hurt, hurt in other places. Yeah. And, and it's just like remembering that, you know, everyone has a battle and kind of just coming to this point of like, if you both want to have a good relationship, it takes two people to do it. So you can't carry that. And I think that that's why so many people don't have good relationships with their siblings, because it can't be just one person putting in the work. You know, it has to be two people and you can say anything you want and try to like, be like, Hey, this is what I want from you. But the other person has to be receptive of that. They have to want to be a part of it too. And I'm so, I feel so grateful that our, you know, we, we got back. I like him making motions yeah. with my hands and this is not going to be a video. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's, it's extremely important to also, you know, not underestimate. I mean, it took time. It took years. It took consistent reaching out and reaching back. And I think one of the biggest turning points in my life was in 2014, when you had written me a very long and very thoughtful email reaching out and, you know, saying like, I'm worried about you. I care about you. You know, I think you need to go get therapy. I think you need help. And that just like, even makes me emotional now. Like that (laughs) just got me. And it was like, okay, wow. Like that was deep, but then I started going and that was hard. That was probably that, you know, learning to love myself was the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And that was definitely no one else reached out and said, like, I love you. No one else consistently in my life has been like, I see you. And just coming to that place where I'm like, oh, she accepts me. She's well, not 
wanting me to be different. She's not asking me to change or there's no conditions here. Understanding mm-hmm. and accepting and being receptive to that vulnerability and that unconditional love, that was huge. And you have to be in the right place within yourself to accept that. You know, I um, I had just, I had been in therapy for about a year then. And so I don't think I would have I'm so glad you remember that. I, I I was wondering if you were going to bring that up because I, I remember writing that letter and yeah. um, it was hard because you were in such a hard place and yeah. it was, um, you know, you don't want to see someone you love in a hard place and it's hard, you know, it's, it can be difficult to know how someone's going to receive that. So it was really scary for me to write that because I thought I could lose my sister. Like I could she could not take this information. She could not take this letter very well. And she could completely, and I was willing to sacrifice that so that you knew at least that someone was worried about you, that it wasn't out of like some sort of like self-righteous thing or like, I'm trying to be altruistic in this like narcissistic way. It was like, I'm seeing this. Like, so I I remember thinking, I hope she sees this and like is responsible responsive to it because I had been in therapy and I had talked to my therapist about it extensively where I was just like, I don't know how to um, approach this and it's affecting my life. And of course, my therapist was kind of more thinking about like making me focus on me instead of because, you know, I it was really important for me not to like be focusing on other people, but this relationship was so important to me and it affect, it did affect me. And so I'm so happy because I do think that that was a turning point in our relationship because it was, it had been such a a difficult time. You know, it was like, it was a turning point in my life. And I remember that regularly. Uh I'm so happy. And I'm so proud of you. You've just like, but you were the only person that was courageous enough and cared enough to say, Hey, I'm worried about you this is a problem, you know, and it was one of the rock bottom parts of my life and it was bad and I wasn't making good choices and I did not love myself. And I had a lot of trauma I wasn't dealing with mm-hmm. and that changed my life, but nobody else. And it doesn't mean that mom and dad didn't love me or that Michael didn't care anything like that, you know, but no one else said anything. And that was, you know, that was the push that I needed to make that choice and to go to therapy and to work on myself. And that has been something very special in Mm. my life and something that, you know, then I could share that growth with you, that transformation, because you understood, because you were working on that in your own life. And I didn't have that support anywhere else. Yeah. But I have it with you and that was tremendous. That's been one of the best things in my life. Well, I'm so, I think, you know, there was probably a point and I I appreciate that. I'm glad that I could be that for you. And I think, you know, there's been so many times that like, I think at the point I, I, there's probably, I didn't want to be alone in my growth. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I could never play by myself, (laughs) But, you know, it was, it was kind of like I was going through this and I, you know, I think when you have a sibling, you have a closer tie and like, uh, like, I think they're there too. And I was, you know, I was still working on it. I was by no means, um, you know, I was 
you and I had kind of a similar pattern of having serious boyfriends early and yeah. then going through like kind of bad breakups and being like, I wasted my twenties on this person <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and kind of having a lot of anger about that. And like, just not knowing what to do with it and being self-destructive. And I think like, you know, it's, I think, you know, having in a way, and I don't, maybe this was subconsciously that I saw it, but I was like, I want, I I'm like getting something out of this, but I also felt like I probably needed a buddy in it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was very helpful for me to have that support because I didn't have anyone who was making that jump, making that leap, you know, saying, this is scary as all get out, but I'm going to jump off this cliff and hope that it's for the better. Even mm-hmm. though I don't know what healthy looks like, it's better. It's got to be better than what I'm doing. Right. And you, you don't want to be alone in that necessarily. And it was really nice not to be, you know, it was really scary. And yeah, I mean, I think like it's, and there's so many people you don't, I, it's, it's, it kind of sucks because I think I, I'm, I worry about people just like being like, everyone needs to go to therapy. Everyone needs to go to therapy, but therapy doesn't work unless you are at rock bottom, in my opinion. Yeah. You, well, you, or unless you want it. And, yeah. and there were times like I would go for a while and then I would stop going. And I had, you know, other friendships at the time that maybe weren't healthy. And it wasn't until I really, I remember my therapist, like two years into it, she was like, well, if we're going to give this a go, you need to really be in it. You need to be committed. You need to come to every session, you need to do the work. And that was really hard, but that was the year that my life shifted. And yeah, consistent. Hurt. And it's, it's the stuff, usually it's the stuff you're um, resistant to, right? Like the resistance. It's very scary. It's so scary <laughs> because you have to look at this thing and be like, I don't like that. Yeah. Or, oh, this is uncomfortable. And I have to sit in the uncomfortable and I have to feel it and I have to deal with it, especially if it's something you've just not dealt with your whole life. And then you're sitting there like, Oh, now I have to consider letting myself feel this feeling. And I think one of the things I took away that my therapist said was, well, you've already been through the worst of it. You're not back. You're not that person, that Mm -hmm. little girl anymore sitting there going through it without any defenses. Like, so all those defenses you've built up to not deal with the hurt you can let that down because you're in a safe space and therapy creates that space. Having healthy family relationships creates that space. Yeah. Having a sibling who understands what that's like helps create that space. So it's, I mean, it's a process. It, little by little, it takes time, but being able to go through that and realize, oh, I, I can feel these really hard, uncomfortable feelings and I'm still okay yeah. was huge. For me, I was like, oh, I'm not going to die if I get sad. Like I can, right? I can and, <laughs> and you're like, I can, it's okay <laughs> that I feel this way. Like it's yeah. okay for me to feel. It's okay it's for okay me to process this. Yeah. It's not going to, I thought, oh, well, if I allow myself to feel these feelings, I'm not going to be able to get up off the floor. It's going to kill me. Like it nearly crushed me to go through this the first time. Why would I want to relive that trauma? That's terrible. But then you realize, oh, I can do this and I can still be a functioning adult and be like, I can still get out of bed in the morning and I can hurt and allow myself to hurt and still be okay. Yes. Yes. I think that's a really good, good point. And I think that, um, it's, it's so, 
I, I, I can never recommend therapy enough to people, but I want, I want to say that like, you know, your, your relationships really do start with your siblings, your family, or even like, you know, your cousins, if you are someone that like grew up, you know, yeah, in, in an area with like, if you are an only child that had like, you live next door to your cousins or like had that sort of thing. Those are your like formative relationships. And if, if they ended up going a different way or, you know, um, you want to like invite that back into your life, these are some of the ways that Anna and I have done them and have navigated our relationship to a very dynamic, one beautiful time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think of a good like men- metaphor analogy sort of thing. That's not not working out here. <laughs> but it was like being on, you know, a wave that like just up and down and it's messy, it's beautiful. And you kind of have to realize that most relationships aren't perfect, but you get to, you know, I appreciate that you didn't just like cancel me, you know? Cause like yeah. so many, I mean, yeah. you're, you're talking about like, you have, you and your husband have chosen to, you know, you don't have a relationship with the in-laws and that's a safe place for you. So I just, I want to make sure that when people are listening, that we're not saying, sitting here being like, go have this relationship, like first relationship. It's if you have, if you're in a point like with a sibling um, or close family member, that this is just the way we've navigated it. It's not like you have to do it this way, but it's the way- it is important to also recognize my husband also is in therapy and has been going to therapy and he is based on, you know, the trauma he's experienced in his life. It is the best decision for him based on his journey and his therapy to not have that relationship with his parents right now on, on the, their terms. So it doesn't mean that you don't still go through the healing process yourself, like do what's best for you. But just because something's hard or difficult or uncomfortable doesn't mean you need to cancel it. Yeah. I think that that's, that's the thing I get really worried about with like people this day and age, especially young. And I think we've gotten, there's been a mixed um, understanding of boundaries and what boundaries are. Yeah. It's it's just like- just, you know, stop, don't do it, don't do it. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. I should never hear anything. I don't like boundary, boundary. Like that's, that's not a way to, to, in my honest opinion, to be a functional human being, you have to accept the good with the bad. You have to accept the uncomfortable. You can't and take just, account and take accountability for your actions. Very big. Yeah. And taking accountability doesn't mean you have to sit there and hate yourself and go, Oh, I was a part of this. I'm wrong. I'm bad. no, but acknowledge your role in the relationship and think about, you know, is this worth having or not having? And am I willing to do the work? That doesn't always mean the other person's going to be receptive to it. They may need to do some growth in their own life and it may come back and surprise you later. But I think it's really important that if you want to start making those steps, that you do that and just don't have those expectations. Like you were saying, just accept that person where they're at and see what happens, but it can be possible and you can do it, but you both have to want that growth. Yeah. I love that you said that. I think that that's the thing that has made my relationships with everyone in our family possible. As I started thinking, accepting them where they're at, because especially when you have like older people, like, I mean, just like there's things that bothers you as a kid 
Yeah. You just have to kind of be like, this is how they are. And like, I can't change that. And I can either choose to just accept it. Obviously, if it's like inappropriate, destructive, bad behavior, that's not okay. But sometimes people just are who (laughs) they are. And realizing that your parents are people just like you and me. Yeah. They don't have all the answers. Yeah. They don't know everything. And it can be easy as a kid to be like, you know, you've always looked up to them. You've always expected yeah. what they've said to be guidance. And as an adult, it may not be. They may have a very, um, <laughs> in your opinion, as a person, depending on where you are in life, you might look at them and go, wow, they're really misguided or wow, they have the wrong idea about this. But realizing that they may never change it's okay for you to grieve that though. It's okay for yes. you to not like it. It's okay yes. for you personally and privately, maybe, you know, if they're not receptive to it, it's okay for you to be upset or disappointed in that. However, it's also important to understand that that's just them. And, you know, they're maybe not going to do the emotional work on the same level as you. Totally. Man, this has been such a great time. I've really loved having this conversation with you and I appreciate and am grateful for, you know, the, the role you've played in my life. You are one of my best friends. Mom, did you hear that? (laughs) Yeah. This is like a double Christmas for you, mom. There you go. Birthday present. Mom's birthday is next Sunday. (laughs) We're friends now. Good children don't fight. (laughs) (laughs) uh, thank you so much and I'm so glad that you were able to make it to the first pod I'm sure you will be a returning guest um, (laughs) there's so many other things that we can talk about but um, do you have anything that you want to like leave or you know say to my you know audience (laughs) well first of all thank you for having me and you are my first friend and one of my very best friends and I'm very grateful to you and our relationship, mm-hmm. but also to anyone and everyone listening out there, growth is always possible. Yeah, I love that. Well, <laughs> thank you very much. Wow. That was just an incredible conversation. I'm so happy uh, that she, that my sister was able to come on to it. I so rudely... <laughs> pressed the record button and didn't get her full goodbye. So that's my bad. I'm still a newbie at this, but thank you for hanging around. If you've gotten this far, I look forward to sharing more of my amazing friends and their cool stories and the insights we have in navigating our friendship. And I hope that it helps you with your relationships and how to human out of this crazy pandemic that has made us all kind of forget how to be humans and have friendships. So Yeah, that's it. I can't wait to see you next time.